All right, Paul Marie. All right. How are you? I'm doing well. How are it's you? Very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you too. So, you know, I we met through a mutual friend, mm -hmm. and um, I uh, was excited to sit down with you and just uh, hear what you had to say. I know you're just moved here recently, or just moved here, um, end of November That's or end you, of October. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hmm. Okay. So, I was born in Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and uh, up until the age of five, that's where I lived with my mom. My dad was already living in America, so uh, at the age of six, moved to the United States um, in D.C., Maryland, Silver Spring to be more exact. Um, and yeah, I just, Maryland has been home um, for a very, very, very long time. Um, went to elementary school there, went to a French international school up until uh, eighth grade. Then decided to go to American system. Just wanted to check that out, so I did high school, uh, and and that was great. My first exposure to like real um, American high school, right? Like not like in a little bubble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Then um, after that, uh, my journey. I feel like what leads to where I am today, um, probably, really begins after high school for me. Okay. Um, I guess for the next 10 years post uh, high school, um, I just went on a series of different adventures to try to find myself, mm -hmm. not realizing that's what I was doing, of course. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do and study in school. Um, went in for biology at first, ended up doing business. Uh, post school, um, I did a bunch of different jobs. I did a lot of random jobs, definitely. <laughs> so this was after high school? Oh, after, so after college. After college, Yeah, okay. after college. And where did you go to college? University of Maryland. University of Maryland, mm -hmm. okay. Um, but I was still living at home, actually, while I was doing that. So I never really got the full college experience. Okay. Um, but that's fine. And so when did you guys, did your, what, what did your dad do? Was he here just working or? So my dad worked for an airline company for uh, US Airways. Okay. Mm. So he was always gone or um, his work schedule was just that we just didn't really spend that much time together. Yeah. My, and my mom was a French professor at uh, Washington International School. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is actually my link to our mutual friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we met through my last guest. Mm -hmm. So um, that was that was a fun little like bridge mm -hmm. that we had to, you know, um, have you written right after her. Oh, have, you know, yeah. Cons continuity. Listen, you know, have her come right back in and then sit down. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's the crazy thing is I didn't realize that there were so many French schools. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, with being, I guess, an international school where they um, focus on a variety of different languages uh, okay. from Spanish to uh, Dutch um, and French. But uh, Rochambeau, where I went, is strictly just French. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so was that just to have like links to, to back home or was that to just because that's what's what you spoke or? Uh, I think that is probably a combination of both. Well, I mean, my parents both were um, French school kids as well, okay. right? um, being in the Ivory Coast. So um, they just thought it was very important for me to get back into that system. They felt it was more rigorous. So yeah. it's like, sure. You know, it was, I mean, that experience. That's what we did. So you're going to do it. Kind hmm. of yeah, sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it was the right thing to do. But Rochambeau was, um, oof. I don't know, like French culture, especially in the high school uh, or in the school system, um, 
still at the time very segregated and had very racist undertones, which maybe weren't so uh, apparent to me at the time. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, later on, as I grew up, I was like, oh, yeah, that was that was fucked up. I, I don't, what do you mean? Cursing, okay? Yeah, of yeah, course. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, that was definitely fucked up. And what do I mean? <laughs> um, so, I don't know, like being an African kid, right? Um, and amongst all my other friends at Bochombo, uh, there was just this hierarchy, I guess, of uh, the white, maybe more privileged French kids. Yeah. And then everybody else who, if you're a color, it's probably because you were colonized by the French. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you're speaking French and you're not French, French exactly, yeah, there's more likely not that they came mm -hmm. at some point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but somehow, I guess that history bleeds into the um, the dynamics in mm -hmm. the high school. It was really strange. So um, for the longest time, I remember not feeling uh, beautiful or attractive just because, yeah, I was like, well, that's I was never considered that in that in, in, in that in, world, in that world. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was just almost like, oh, yeah, I guess I had internalized the belief that that was not a thing yeah. until way, way later until, um, yeah, I want to say around the age of like 27, 28 is when I started to really find myself. And it's not coming from a vain place of saying, oh, I just think I look good. But I start to, I guess, accept myself for the way that I do look yeah. right for. So, so as dark as my skin is, I'm like, I have to get to a place where. I find that beautiful, yeah. Regardless of what everyone else. And thinks. so, was there a time when you didn't feel that way? I mean, oh, for like, sure. I mean, you were talking about you feeling that way a bit, but but specific things like that, mm -hmm. um, or was it just an overall feeling of not belonging? Yeah, I would say specifically. Um, if now, if I'm looking back, right, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I wouldn't be out in the sun, or wouldn't want to necessarily get darker. To get darker, I wouldn't yeah. want to. That's like a and. I wouldn't want to because I guess subconsciously at the time I equated it to being less attractive. Interesting. <laughs> as toxic as that is. Um, of course, I'm not there anymore, but that's definitely. Where do you think that specifically came from? Do you think it was just, was it the school system or do you think it was the, your friends or was it, you know? Um, it was probably a, a multitude of things, right? Yeah. Um, definitely the. Because um, certainly like your, your parents wouldn't say that to you. No. So oh, no. that had to have come from an external place. Yes, it had to come from an external place. Um, you know, it's funny when you say your parents wouldn't. That's true that my parents would never uh, say that with the intent to make someone feel, um, I guess, not beautiful. Right, or, right. A comment about their skin. But I would say definitely um, in the African culture or just amongst my African family, um, there are comments made in passing of uh, how beautiful someone is. Mm -hmm because they're so light, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. she has beautiful skin. Yeah. So subconsciously, you're making these connections and realizing, okay, this is deemed beautiful, this is not so much, right? Right. Um, so it, it's, yeah, I, I guess the human psyche is really um, fascinating, but you can start to build um, an internal Im self-image mm -hmm. based off of not just the things that you're hearing, but sometimes the things that you're not hearing, right? The connections that you're making or, yeah. or how do I say this uh, deductions mm -hmm. so I think that's probably um, where I was at nobody explicit, explicitly ever has told me oh Paul because you're dark skin you're not beautiful um, right I think when people hear that or they hear people talking about their experience and mm -hmm. growing up and feeling that way or not but not belonging not feeling they fit into the the mold that, mm -hmm. that was there 
they think of it being that, and they think, no, I could never, like, no one would say that. No, mm-hmm. and of course, nobody probably would say that. Um, maybe they do would, but extremely, you know, yeah, it's extreme. Yeah, but there's probably moments where you felt like you're comparing yourself. Yes. Right. Yes. And how did that make you feel? You know, um, I think every single time that I compared, I would always end up maybe not feeling so great, right? Because right. ultimately. Um, if I'm, I don't know, like ultimately I'm not that person. So, uh, I can find, I could find reasons before to, I guess, corroborate, uh, like why it is that, um, I'm not dating. Right. Or why Mm -hmm. is no one coming up to me or flirting with me? This is like, of course, like high school or whatever. But, um, later on, I guess after high school, I started to just slowly, but surely, uh, undo a lot of those disempowering beliefs I had. Did you kind of, do you feel like it kind of there was obviously a hierarchy there and there was things that were, were making you feel that way. But do you think that you made it, made it worse by internalizing it more and more and pushing yourself down? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think I just, by believing them, right. I just believed it. So, uh, but you know, what's interesting as much as I believed it, I want to say there was always a little voice inside of me that still didn't agree. Right. Right. (laughs) So I would, I believed it consciously, but maybe, subconsciously somewhere I was still um, not fully accepting that that was the reality right and then I guess eventually when I got to um, in my 20s started dating and stuff like that um, then my my self-image became a little bit more fortified so was this school the school was more you know heavily you know, mainland French people, and mm-hmm. then you had a few people that were not, and that's yeah. kind of you know your ninety ten. Yeah. You know, yeah. is that probably Absolutely. accurate? Yeah. So that that to me is really interesting because that that's it, it's like that kind of environment that mm-hmm. you can easily, even if there was nothing from them, yeah, you would feel out of place. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's such a like it's it's a, a unique feeling to feel like you don't belong somewhere because you look different yeah even if no one's and, and you know i'm sure there were things that happened but even if no one's actually specifically saying it out loud yeah you're just looking yeah with your eyes you absolutely. have eyes absolutely you know absolutely and so was that something that you when you went to college did it change were there more or, or did you just kind of have to come to a more mature understanding i think i just had to come to a more mature understanding because if anything um during college, I didn't really have uh, much of a love life going on in the college, right? Um, like, I remember my first relationship was long distance, um, Montreal, D.C. So Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess for me, actually, I can look back and say most of my growth occurred as a direct result of my relationships. Right. Like, somehow each relationship uh, built me up and broke me down in certain ways that allowed me to... Um, grow right so some people I guess grow maybe more in social settings I me mean, it was definitely as a result of my relationships yeah I don't I don't know if I grow in social settings or not I think it's probably in, I'm yeah. more with you yeah. right I grow from one-on-one mm-hmm. than a big group mm-hmm. but what age did you start at that school because uh, you said that you started you were on Ivory Coast so it was in Ivory Coast okay when I came to America, I went to, I did go to the and American. And tell people too, sorry to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but tell people too where, like just so they don't, they don't know where that oh, is and what, Yeah. You know. uh, so Abidjan is the capital and mm-hmm. Ivory Coast is in West Africa. It's right on the hump. 
mm-hmm. um, next to Ghana. I guess everyone knows where Ghana is. Or, and um, from there, moved to uh, United States, East Coast. Um, I went to the American school system initially. Yeah. So I did kindergarten through, I want to say, second or third grade. I definitely by third grade I was out because that's when I went to um, French school. French school. Yeah. 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 And that has to be, you know, I, we were talking with Mimi about it as well. Mm-hmm. But that's got to be difficult to, you almost have like three cultures. Like you're, you're in the American culture here. You also have the French culture that you speak at home. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you spoke French at home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you also have your African culture as well, which is where you're from. Yeah. So it's like this like convergence of three different things pulling you in three different directions. They're all very different. Absolutely. And absolutely. You know, when at least our, today it's maybe a little bit different, but at that time, you know, probably in like the late '90s mm-hmm. to mid thousands, it was not as common. You know, and mm-hmm. especially with the internet being probably not as as big as it was. It was, yeah, for sure. It's it's very different. Yeah. And so, did you ever feel like you were being pulled in different directions? You know, it's funny. Um, since that's all I ever knew, it almost just became my. Um, for me, it was just like my status quo. You were like, like a blended identity. Exactly. You just accepted it from the get go. Exactly. So I always joke. I tell people like, when you're from an African family or immigrant family. Yeah and you're living in America, you're still very much living in that country that you're from. Right. Because every time you walk through the door, <laughs> every time I would come back home, I was in Ivory Coast. Like the food, the culture, everything. Um, so I just, for me, I guess that always was And the is norm. there is there kind of a, maybe you can describe for people, like people who are, who are black in America, mm-hmm. born in America, they have a very different culture than people who are from Africa. Absolutely. So in it, you almost, you know, just because they maybe look like you doesn't, mm-hmm. they don't share that same experience that you do. They don't. So you have a whole different thing to deal with, um, aside from everything else that you're, you're, you're going through as a, as a kid, going mm-hmm. through, everyone goes through awkward stages and trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to communicate and, and be around people, but mm-hmm. you have this added extra burden on top of it. And then you add being gay and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's make this is expert level. Yeah, let's do this. So, how did that come about? So, what, what, when you, when did you realize that you? So, I've always um, known personally. Okay. Um, I think I've, uh, from a very young age, um, I want to say, I was still living in Ivory Coast, so it has to be even four years old. Uh, I was always uh, more sexually aware than I think most people are at that age. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just knew. I just was always aware of that. Something was different than, yeah. than yeah. everyone else. Yeah. But I also clocked very quickly that the different, the difference about me mm-hmm. was not okay. I knew that also very young. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I definitely knew. That you just, it was something just to kind of keep exactly. hidden. Exactly. Yeah. Now, of course, to what degree, I think that just evolved with time. But right. I just, I always had that knowing. Um and then that knowing turned into, and by the way, that knowing, of course, now I'm saying it's knowing, but at the time it was, I was in denial, mm-hmm. right? So de- denial implies that you still have knowledge of it. You're just not acknowledging it. You're just pretending it exactly, exist. Exactly, exactly. Whereas- We're the, not doing that. We're, we're going to do this. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. We're just going to. Yeah. Um, and so- yeah, I think I want to say that's where I was. And then my denial just evolved into um, just full-on rejection of that, right? Like, I just rebuked it. And where did that come <laughs> from? So what, what was rejecting it for you? 
Um, the fact that I knew that um, for religious reasons, of course, like I knew that it wasn't okay, and God said no, and, and, and it's just not okay, um, not approved of. I knew my parents wouldn't approve of it either. Um, and actually, crazy enough, because they didn't approve, I didn't approve. So I was actually a full-fledged homophobe, for mm. sure, um, 100%. Do you think that's, that's something that people tend to be um, aware of when they see someone who's very homophobic? Mm-hmm. Like almost un- unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. To where it's, there's a difference between being straight and just not into that, which I have plenty of friends who are. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who go above and beyond to kind of, you know, attack people for being different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it makes me kind of look at you and go mm, mm-hmm. what do you what, what's 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 there yeah mine was more covert in the sense that i would never write come out and say to anyone that was gay oh, you're disgusting or whatever i would never do that but my thoughts were that you were unclean yeah you know that you weren't okay and, and it's crazy because that kind of um how do i say this belief that i had mm-hmm. The way that it would manifest even post coming out is when Lil Nas X, for example, dropped that uh, video of, or, or what was it, um, Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. and uh, he performed, the, I think it was a BET Awards or something, and they made out with a guy. Yeah. I watched that and was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. Even now. Even now. Even now. And the thing is, I made myself watch it over and over and over again, purposely, just because I was like, I'm not, now, I'm now aware of what, how I see this. But I'm going to consciously undo this and condition myself to realize this is normal. Like yeah. it's normal. So, um, yeah, that's. What also... do you think that comes from? That that uncomfortableness? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. It comes from a subconscious, a deep, deep, deep subconscious belief that that is that you're witnessing something that's not okay. Yeah, it has to be, or else it. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be something that maybe somewhere deep in there. And by the way, that's okay, right? I think as humans you're always going to have biases but by becoming aware of them then you can consciously redirect your brain in a way that i think eventually just becomes um autopilot right you just everyone has you know natural tendencies to be to be biased for sure Mm -hmm. but there is something that that that's interesting to me where you take it from just having a bias that you kind of just need to quietly just you know Mm -hmm. either deal with or avoid or, or fix but when it goes to a situation where you're um, actively, you know, trying to, to, it's almost like you're trying to show everybody else, like, see how bad this is over here. Don't mm-hmm. look at me over here. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like you don't want them to, to spot it in you. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's always when I see people who are really homophobic, mm-hmm. it, it does make me kind of go, oh, there's something there because mm-hmm. that's a, a person who just isn't in- interested just would move on. Mm-hmm. They'd walk by. They wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting? I find that um, at this particular state of my journey, where I'm at now, uh, I don't care to uh, hide my identity in any way. Right? I just I try to show up as authentically as possible yeah. all the time, just because now I have more self love and I accept myself. Yeah. Except not accept, but whenever it does arise, I guess that I will slip back into that mindset before of wanting to hide. It has to do with black women. So Interesting. It, because my mom, to me, is one, it, her and I are, I think that is my, I want to say maybe most karmic relationship. We're just very close. Yeah. And at the same time, of course, as it would be, uh, she is the one who has the most issues with um, 
accepting. Right. Right. Um, and I'll tell the story of how we, how, where we're at now and what transpired over the last two years and a half, two and a half years. But um, because I, I don't know, most of my internalized uh, hatred that I had before came from a place of not wanting to disappoint her because I would all, I, I've lived my life, I think, in a way where I would do anything for my mom, anything just to make her happy. That was just, because I've seen her do that for me, right? And so the one thing that I know um, weighs so heavy on her heart and she wishes were different, that is something that's out of my, I can't, I can't give as much as I wanted to for the longest time, but I just realized I don't have the ability to do that. And actually now I have more um, just overall spiritual wisdom to know me trying to live a life that is out of alignment of with who I am would be doing a disservice to me as well and her. I think that's something really, I, I want you to elaborate on that too. What, what Would you say that it took you time to come to terms with not only who you are, but also to live that way without censoring yourself? Because I can tell like just from personal experience, I mean, there's even instances recently where mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I drop myself into this um, shroud of, Normality. Mm-hmm. So when people make a comment, I find myself going, yeah, you know, and I just kind of go this way because mm-hmm. I don't even want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I still find myself dealing with the fact that I'm, you know, when I'm around people that I don't know, mm-hmm. it's not natural for me just to be like, oh, yeah, so here's my boyfriend. Here's this. Here's that. You know, it's it's a very um, self-censoring thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I hear about things like what you're we talking about, mm-hmm. it, it kind of is something where. Um, it's, it's that little voice in your head. It's like, ah, oh, this isn't normal. So we need to, you know, be, it's not normal because it's, it's often hidden. Mm-hmm. doesn't exactly. mean that it's wrong. Exactly. It just means that it's been essentially like you know, shoved down. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I would probably wager that your mom, it's, it's, it's all cultural and all, mm-hmm. um, systemic and, and from where she grew up. Mm-hmm. So that's, course, that's also course. ingrained in her. Of so course. it's this, it's this thing where it maybe gets weaker over time. Yes. But it's, it's, have you, if you found yourself, I don't want to, I don't know if it's the right word is self-censorship, but have you felt, have you found yourself kind of hiding that or, or so just choosing not to even go there? I know, <laughs> you know right. I, I know mean? sometimes, trust me, I was like, oh, <laughs> let's just pretend this isn't here. I've done that actually. That's actually probably a superpower that I have. Yeah. I can just pretend like something's not. Yeah. Um, but so, okay. I came out to my family um, two years exactly today for 20, 2019. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And the way that it happened was very, uh, of course, chaotic and just uh, also very abrupt, like just yeah. kind of um, a fight broke, like an argument broke out and then yelling words were said. Just decided, it just, just, it, just it just happened. Well, she, she kind of forced it out of me. But I realized now why Who it had forced to, it? Your my mom, mom did, okay. Yeah. And I realized why it had to happen that way, because right before, up until that point, I had gotten to a point where I was ready to live in the closet for the rest of my life until she died. That was, I had actually accepted that. And funny enough, in that, in my mind, the way that I saw things at that time, that was loving her. That was me showing love, was putting my life on hold or live in obscurity, basically, um, for her sake. Now, of course, 
then the, the coming out happened. Of course, I didn't have a choice. It just happened. And it, it was not good, but um, kind of severed my relationship with my mom for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, we just were not not talking on good terms. Um, I then moved to Amsterdam uh, to live with my partner. So you went from D.C. to Amsterdam? I did. I did. Okay. I said, get me out of here. <laughs> so I went to uh, Amsterdam. I moved in July of 2019 to live with a partner. And even, this is the funny part. So even moving there and living with him, I still had not told my parents that, one, I had a boyfriend, two, I was living with him. They thought I was over there and that I was living. Just yeah. Playing single life. Exactly. Or and, or living with my yeah. um my cousin also that lives over there. Okay. So they thought. At least there's some kind of connection yeah. there. It wasn't just a random. Exactly. Move. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so for we dated for a year and a half. For a year and a half, my parents had no idea that I was living over there with somebody in a whole relationship. And one issue that we had over the course of our relationship is that he would always tell me, like, why don't you tell them? Why don't you tell your mom what that? Mm-hmm about me and stuff like that my answer was that she was not ready i was like she's not ready baby steps i just came out let her swallow sight was he digest. european or was european, he yeah, okay, dutch, so, dutch yeah yeah uh, well, and, easier and, for and, them sometimes of course <laughs> and know? his family is like super loving open yeah, family yeah, like yeah. Uh, open arms everything so even if you have a super loving open arms family there's a self um it, it, I don't even know the right word. You, you it's not delusion, but you do you do create a problem where it doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. even if you have a, a family that's accepting, because mm-hmm. I, I actually have been lucky enough to have that, I didn't think it would go that way. Okay, and that was the weird thing oh, for me. I, I was price. like, oh, this is nice, yeah. you know. But it was not. So you're building it up into this thing that it's not, mm-hmm. um, and that can can damage. That can cause years of of, mm-hmm. of damage as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. For him to have that, I, I bet there's not really though an understanding of like, no, 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 I can't just just tell them. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's not it 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 doesn't work that way. It doesn't right. work that way. Yeah. But what I learned was that the reason why it didn't work that way was actually um, the reason why I guess I had I, I I moved to Amsterdam, not realizing, of course, the universe that that was the plan. Right. But I had to undo now that the hard part was out i'm out i'm gay sure the hard part now begins which is undoing erasing all of those disempowering beliefs that i had about myself and that had internalized and uh taken on as a part of my identity such as like to explain to people like what what little things like that for example that actually by me being gay yes right i'm gay but by me being gay i'm less clean i'm less uh uh, I don't know. Um, saved. Defective. Defective. I'm something's defective. Wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Um, and I would never ha- have. Uh, how do I say this? Ever. I would have never said those things about myself, right? However, I knew that by telling my mom, "Hey, by the way, I have a boyfriend," or or whatever, she would, of course, repeat those things that she had said once upon a time you're reopening the wound yeah and the reason why that wound it was so painful is because the words that you're saying are finding a home in me they're resonating with something that i believe about myself because right. otherwise they wouldn't be, they wouldn't okay yeah. they, they would be yeah. just be words right like at the end of the day also i realized in that moment that we're the ones who assign power or meaning or, or meaning to words right so the power for words to affect you actually rely 
in you, not so much on the other person saying those Say words. Say that again, because that's a really interesting thing. Like, the power that words have actually are internal. You, like you, you control, you control the power, the power they that they have. The other ones are, the other person is just making sounds with their mouth, right? right? I'm, the one, I'm the one assigning uh, meaning to that. So I realized why I never told my parent, my mom, is because up until right when we broke up, I knew that everything that she would say would resonate with me mm-hmm. and then I'd be triggered and I'm mad and I'm sad and I'm you just in this, this this you know yeah you know place where you don't need to be exactly so that's really what I'm avoiding but something happened over the course and you know I, that means I spent COVID like the lockdown over there and this is all recent this is all recent yeah and during the lockdown I don't know I guess that was the beginning of a lot of just internal growth and just overall self-love that Began. We all had way too much time with Honey. ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time in here. In there. Um, but as a result, at the end of it, and I guess it just is a coincidence as it was the day right after we broke up, I was filled with so much courage that I wrote my mom and told her everything. Everything. I told her I'd been living with him. I was in a relationship with him. I, I just told her everything, and I actually made a decision that day to never lie to her again so i was like i'm never going to lie to you anything you want to know ask me if you don't want to know don't ask me um but i'm just not gonna lie to you and i'm also able to realize fully now that who i am in my entirety is okay is more than okay it's actually great part of your journey is coming to that understanding so now i have to make a decision i'm either going to love you unconditionally through it and see that you get to that destination or I can decide to shut you out and be like, okay, I'm, I'm out. I made the choice to love you unconditionally and still be there for you. So till this day, my mom will say stuff this morning on the phone about, um, I don't know, something that otherwise would have been triggering for me about uh, gays or uh, I think it was something about two dads or whatever. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I full, fully disagree with you on what you just said and I'll tell you why. And... Um, yeah, I just I'm hoping that each time that I um, engage in with her in a loving way, that it's me planting a seed, and I'll just I'll wait as long as I need to wait for that seed to grow. But you're not triggering anymore. Like, sure. I think it's important to like recognize too that you you went through this this childhood, which we didn't talk a ton about your childhood, but you're at least your your schooling. Mm-hmm. You felt out of place. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about like racism in, in, in a, a French school or you talk about not feeling belonging, it's it's all being internalized over time. And people that, that always feel like they belong, mm-hmm. it's it's not even their I, I it's not their fault. They never felt like they don't belong. So they can never feel how you feel. Mm-hmm. And so when that thing stays with you and you're, you're feeling like you don't belong, you're different, you're not, you know, your nose is different, your eyes are different, mm-hmm. your eyebrows are different, all these things. And then to add on top of that, you're also different from your own culture as well. So your upbringing and, and everything that you should be, should be the, you know, the, you know, man and woman and this and this and all that and, and all that as well. So you don't feel, you don't belong at school, you don't belong at home, you really don't belong anywhere. You have to find your own place, mm-hmm. which is what I think is extraordinary. Yes. So most people at least can feel like they belong at school. They can feel like they belong at home. They can have friends. They can, you know, there's, there's ways of coping, but at least what I find interesting about you is that, you know, you're these contradictions of everywhere you were. Yeah. 
And so, you know, you're, you're at school, you don't belong there because of X, Y, and Z. You're at home, you're having to hide who you are there as mm-hmm. well. Um, it, it, it's homophobia and, and, and racism and all these different things. Um, we talk about it so much and, and people um, sometimes will be like, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it. But it's like, you know, but the reality is you're a child who's, you know, not you're not growing up properly. Mm-hmm. You're being ostracized for, for no reason. Mm-hmm. And when you add that plus being gay, mm-hmm. it's like a double shot of, mm-hmm. of this. You know, you're, it's, it's two things that you have to deal with. These are two life, you know, altering things you have to deal with. But I will say, not but, and I will say the reward though, where I feel like I'm at now is because I've gone through all that, like you said, not feeling right. like I fit in anywhere else overcoming that and getting getting to a place now where I've fully accepted myself and love myself, I now feel in any situation, I feel, um, uh, how do I say this? Just aligned. I feel, I don't feel out of place. I feel feel at peace because the common denominator now is just me. Yeah. Right. But you had to, you had to, to really work at it. You had to come to that, um, perspective. And you had to get there from there. And, and it wasn't just an overnight thing. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. Um, that was, it was not an overnight thing. Yeah. Um, I definitely came uh, out to my friends, I want to say earlier in my 20s. Um, and then that probably, I would say, from the age of 21 to when I came out, 29 that time was full of just me um, slowly but surely getting more comfortable in my own skin with my friends. Um, But I guess up until that last point, I still needed to get rid of those last little, not little, little major roadblocks, uh, roadblocks, which is, yeah. And that was like the final boss, which is um, my parents. (laughs) But then actually the final boss I would say would be the, the emptiness and the the space that is just you afterwards, right? Because yeah, then the afterwards, the final boss is yourself. It's yourself. It's just you. Yeah. It's you and your thoughts. Yeah. Like, are you gonna overcome those beliefs, or are you gonna re? Are you gonna let them affect you, right? I mean, there's people who live their entire lives basically lying to themselves, mm-hmm. and eventually a wife and kids as well. And I re- and I honestly. I never um, judge people who either come out late in life or who never come Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. Just because now I understand. It's like, not easy. It's not yeah. easy. But what's not easy is the mental prison that you've put yourself in. And for you, you're not realizing that it is a mental prison, yeah. right? Like you're not realizing that I'm the one who is putting up these bars. Um, and that's, the, I mean, that's what I think is important to, to, to get across. Um, I want you to go maybe a little bit more in depth about that because I think that can help a lot of people. Yeah. And I know there's people out there that it's not necessarily the family. It's not necessarily the friends because those things are family is important and friends are important and your, your, those systems are important, but you are important. Mm-hmm. You know, you being happy with yourself and your life choices are mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. So was there anything that you did specifically to start to break those things down or was it just time? Um, I would say this. How do you tell any, your, yourself over and over? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm normal. I'm not normal. I'm normal. I'm not normal. How do you get past that? I, I don't know. My, my brain works in a very, how, how do I say this? Like a highly logical way. Mm-hmm. So, 
the way that I debunk theories in my head is if I'm able to see the same situation apply. Like an equation. Like, an equation. Yeah. So, and this is a very dumb example I'm about to give. But if somebody said, oh, it is impossible to jump if you're wearing blue socks. You can't jump if you're wearing blue socks. Great. And everyone accepts that as the norm. If I see one person jump and they have blue socks on, for me, done. Like, one person did that. So now I know that it is possible. So throw it all out the trap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I say that because... And then it becomes illegal to wear to jump and wear blue socks. <laughs> Hello. <You know? laughs> yeah. 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 But for me, I guess, with all the disempowering beliefs I had about homosexuality, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, great. What is... Let's tackle one. You are... If you're gay, you are... Um, God hates you, for example, yeah. and that you are uh, unpure. Okay. I can sit here and be like, well, I've met some gay people that are very successful, mm-hmm. right? I'm not talking about like, we know like the Ellen DeGeneres, the, the mm-hmm. DeGeneres and other people, but there are a multitude of people who are homosexual and doing very well yeah. um, and who are healthy and who are happy. And who are de- who are seemingly leave, uh, living a blessed life. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, hmm, okay. I also know some people who are heterosexual who are not living miserable. Who are miserable. So for is me, God punishing them? Is God and, punishing and, exactly and allowing them to, to thrive? So for me, just looking from those two's perspective, I'm like, I cannot say that homosexuality is causational to misery, because. Few people over here have debunked that theory, right. and a few people over here have also debunked that theory. So I have to get to a point where I'm like, okay, why am I believing this if there is a set number of uh, examples that debunk that? Right. So I guess that's where it started for me, where I was like, hmm, okay, I don't really think that, hmm, okay. Then when I was 15 is when I really got into like religion, and I told mm-hmm. my parents I want to get baptized. I was the one who decided, so I went to catechism classes, and got baptized at that point i was the most connected to my christianity i had ever been and then i remember going to a class one day and they brought up the concept of uh, uh when you go talk to the priest and you confession confession yeah and the concept of confession is whenever you do something that is deemed um unworthy by god you need to go to a priest for them to pray for you and for them to basically ask god for forgiveness and I don't know why it has probably has to do with my my composition, how I am as a person. But that right there was what caused me to say, oh, OK, so you guys don't know what you're talking about, because I always felt like in God's eyes, at least we were all definitely equal. For some reason, I was always sure about that. I don't know why I just was always sure that whatever God is, every single person that everything that he makes for that matter is equal in her eyes, his eyes. So for you to tell me that I need to go through someone else in order to communicate with said God, you've lost me because I already know that God would not make me and not and have also, a gatekeeper and have a gatekeeper yeah. and say, okay, but you can't communicate with me, girl. You got to hit me up between, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. not, it just didn't, it didn't sit well with my spirit. I was like, oh, this isn't, this is just not true. Yeah. So that is when my, how do I say this? My, um, separation from organized religion began Mm -hmm. and my journey with whatever you want to call it god my personal journey with it started and unpacking yourself more yeah Yeah. and figuring out the parts of myself that you know when it came down to it i was like listen i've i've tried to pray the gay away for a very long time you know I, i think during the age of like 10 to 
20 every birthday when I would be blowing out my candles. That's what, that is what I would be wishing for. Nobody knows, but I would be blowing up and be like, please, like, just please make me straight. Please, like, I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever I need to do. Um, and it wouldn't work. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, again, the logic. Would God have made me this way if, obviously it's something I can't get rid of. I've been trying. I've been really trying to, you know, I've been really trying. <laughs> um, and it's not budging. So again, I have to also believe that if he made me this way, then he intended to make me this way, right? Because I also don't believe that whatever it is, God's spirit doesn't make any mistakes. So that, I think, coming together, I hate bringing religion into it because I know religion is very triggering. It's important, though. It's important because it, it affects so many people. Yeah. And, and th there's religion that helps people. I think that there's, there's a, there's a, it's important for people to have something that, that gives them some kind of meaning to mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. It's not a pretty thought to just think we're just gone and that's it and yeah. there's no yeah 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 it's scary yeah but unfortunately i think people suffer because they have this this religion that's been intertwined with um cultures for a thousand years mm -hmm. you know you have these these things that have have kind of congealed together mm -hmm. and warped things a bit mm -hmm. and so when you talk about a religion that's all about love and this and that mm -hmm. i mean i'm on board with it but then when you start talking about this person's, you know, mm -hmm. you know, a demon, they're wrong, they're this. And it's like, well, aren't you supposed to not be judging them? I mean, it's not a big thing. Yeah. And they'll, the problem is they'll, when, when they're so convinced that they're right, there's nothing really you can say to convince them. They mm -hmm. have to have that same understanding that you did. You have to come to terms with it and, and unravel whatever yes. it is. And some people are so far. Yes. There's, I mean, I know people that are, they're just so far deep in, in that world and they're, you know, they're unhappy mm -hmm. deep, deep down. They can post about how happy they are. Mm -hmm. They can, they can throw their arm around their girlfriend all they want, but you know, you know, yes. that it, that they're struggling and, and they're in a prison. Yes. And if they would just have an interpretation of, of their religion, whatever it is that, that accepted them you know th there's a big difference between being a horrible person and being mm -hmm. gay you mm -hmm. know and they mm -hmm. and they kind of conflate the two things yes. they 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 equate you know that mm -hmm. with murder mm -hmm. oh, you know absolutely. It, they talk about it worse than if you were a murderer they also always uh tied in with pedophilia yeah which i'm like oh my god it's always easy <laughs> as if there's no straight people that are pedophiles, that's like pedophiles. i'm break. like there's no correlation between right. that guys but yeah. okay okay that's <laughs> you know we, we can give you plenty of examples too yeah but it's incredible to me that they're so um it's it's like convincing yourself mm -hmm. and the worst people that that kind of going back to that homophobia thing you know the the, the worst ones are the most suspicious to me Mm -hmm. Because they're they're trying to convince themselves. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you like you said, I wouldn't care. I, wouldn't care. I just would be like, well, okay, that's yeah. your that's it's not for me. Yeah. I have I have friends. It's like that's not for me. Yeah. But you know, that's not. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's also something crazy about even just saying like that's not for me. Because when I had a conversation with one of my straight friends, and he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm cool with gay people. It's just like I'm just like you know. It's got that oh. like twinge of like just keep it over there. Just though. Keep it over there. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay. But let's just flip that in a different yeah, way, right, right? Let's right, just right. say I'm a straight man and I'm like, um, you know, 
I, I don't know, I, I like women. Uh, I'm not really into blondes, so like just keep it over there. You know, yeah. blondes don't, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit, there's a bit of a, a backhandedness to it. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. also strange. It's like, you're not into yeah. that. You're but it's into... baby steps to yeah. me. At least to me, it's like, it's it's it could be you're much right. worse. Right. <laughs> it could right. be, it, they could, they're trying, right. you know, but I totally, like it's totally a, um, just a bit of like a backhanded compliment mm-hmm. there. It's not, it's a little bit of like a, yeah, well, as long as you just keep it over there. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is a, um, <laughs> it's one of those things where you just, you're like, okay, well, like the gag I, is I wasn't even looking at you. I wasn't in the anyway, <laughs> so that's okay. You know, but that's, that's the funny part is to me, what I've always found interesting about, um, that kind of dynamic with, with someone is the people who are the most afraid of gay people. Mm-hmm tend to be the people in my opinion at least i can't speak for women because that's a different whole different world but for men who are afraid of gay people i always word it and explain it to people like well you're afraid that they're going to treat you the way you treat women Mm -hmm. they're going to be afraid that you're going to hit on them Mm -hmm. and they're uncomfortable and you're going to keep doing it Mm -hmm. because that's what you do to women Mm -hmm. and you kind of subconsciously know Mm -hmm. that when you catcall people and you do these things and and you know you make people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. that that guy is going to turn around and do it to you and you're going to feel uncomfortable. Yes. And so that's always been something that I always kind of watch because there'll be people that will, will do that. They'll be all, you know, awkward or actually no, they'll be normal around you until they find out and then they'll be awkward. And I'm like, what's changed? Nothing's changed. changed. I wasn't in, I'm not, I'm, there's, there's, you can have a, a platonic normal relationship with someone and not be interested in them. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, I'm sure as a straight man, you have friends that are female. Right. But you know what? I actually find that that kind of internalized homophobia, what I say to straight men is I think it comes from a place of your subconsciously you and you're going to be like, what? But hear me out. I think when you don't fully value women, right, for example, mm-hmm. you actually subconsciously think that women are secondary um, come second to men. Mm-hmm. So anything that is closer to female actually becomes a... Um, uh, like a, a second class. Yeah, like almost a... I have the French word, but I can't thinking. Um, bringing down a, a class or bringing down a, a I think degraded. the expression is you bring them down a peg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, anything that mean. anything that gets closer to masculinity is seen as elevated. It's right. made better. That's when you have a strict like um, paradigm of being. You know, man is this. He's a you know he goes and hunts yeah. and he does all this stuff. And then on the flip side over here, yeah, woman is you know the caricature of what a woman is. Mm-hmm. And if that's you, there's nothing wrong with that. Like to, to me, but well, it's not. Yeah. It's not about comparing other people to that though so if someone is a little bit more feminine but he's mm-hmm. a man or someone's a little more masculine as a, a female because i hear it about women all the time mm-hmm. if there's like a girl who loves sports it's like talking like she's a lesbian yeah Th- that has nothing to do with it but they also equate some sort of um like how do i say this uh it's better like, for example when it comes to colorism the yeah. color you the lighter you are in skin in skin tone the prettier you're considered, right. not to everybody, I'm just saying. Um, but the reason why you have that belief is because you find whiteness to mm-hmm. be 
better, better, quote unquote. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That if whiteness wasn't, if it was just different. So you're saying, saying they, they, they treat masculinity that way. It's better. It's better, it's better than female. It's what so you should be. Exactly. And so you're wrong. There's something wrong with you. So if you're a lesbian, for example, and you're butch, oh my God, you're great. You're fine. You know what I'm saying? Or if you're just a lesbian, like you're into women, just like men are. That's also tends to be more socially accepted. That's, that's not very interesting that it is more socially accepted. But if you're a gay yeah. man and you're a feminine gay man at yeah. that, that's where you get most the most uh, resistance, right? Yeah. Like, why is it that feminine men are, 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 I don't know, demonized more than the masculine one? Oh, is it because being more feminine is not as good as being more f- masculine? Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So somewhere in there, there's a maybe they're not realizing that they have this internalized uh, belief that that's been set up that's been set up that men are masculinity is up here femininity is down there so. that's really interesting going back to what you were just saying too with with um, straight people straight men in general they're really usually okay with lesbians mm-hmm. so that is an interesting point because I never thought of it that way I always wondered why that's the thing yeah. they, they almost like you know are like happy about it yeah even though those women are not interested in them, they, there's something that, about it that is um, non-threatening. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. And you asked me earlier, so how did I get to the place where I'm at now, where I've kind of grown into accepting myself? Yeah, I think what I try to do is I pull this up a little more closer to you there. You can pull it by the over here, and then just oh, kind of yeah, there you go. So it's a little more. Um, I think what I try to do uh, actively is whenever I have a belief something that I'm realizing, oh, I think this way, I try to get down to the root of why it is that I believe it to be this way. And then at the root, you figure out now, okay, is it true or is it not true? Um, So, yeah, I think that's where I, how I got to the place where I'm at, because I'm like, okay, why is it, do I, do I think this way? Okay, well, let's see, where does this come from? Are women actually, um, actually not uh, as smart or capable as men? No. Okay, are women or men are actually equal? Do I truly believe that? I can say that consciously, but a funny example is, um, as much as of a, fem- a feminist as I am, my ex once said a joke, he, or he was like, Paul, um, there is a father and son in a car, and they get into a car crash, and the father dies, and the ambulance gets there in time to be able to save the kid, takes him to the rushes him to the hospital, and the doctor comes in and says, oh, I can't work on this kid, it's my son. And he goes, how is that possible? When I tell you I spent 15 minutes just going through every single scenario, I was like, okay. I was like, it's the, it's a brother. It's the dad's brother. No, no, okay. His twin brother came back. No. I went through everything. And then for him I, to say. I remember this one too, yeah. It's his mom. Yeah. And I said, oh. For me, actually, even, I know it was supposed to be like a little like. The nurse didn't come in. Like that was your thought. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The you said doctor the doctor came, came in, in. And it's such a like fucked up. But the beauty about that moment is I became so aware of a bias that I have. Yeah. So now I consciously undo that bias whenever I get the chance. So if someone says to me something, my boss, I go, oh, is she? I will automatically purposely go in that route until yeah. for them to say, oh, it's actually a male or whatever. Well, it's certain professions like that too. There was a bias. There's just, there, there's, you know, we were just driving um, on a road trip and mm-hmm. we were going to a project and we decided to drive and there was a female truck driver mm-hmm. on the road. And it, I just was like, that's weird. I'd never seen that, mm-hmm. but they exist. You know, there's just, there's, there's that tendency to only really acknowledge what you're aware of. Yeah. And it, it, that's what fuels people's biases to anything. And bias is not inherently 
um, evil or anything wrong with it Mm-mm. because everyone does it. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not you address it and just adjust. Exactly. It's it's not it's not saying you're a nasty, horrible person. It's mm-hmm. just saying, you know, you can't walk through life without growth. You exactly. Have, you have to you have to adjust things as you go. Yes. And as long as you're trying, then that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's 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 a very. Um, I remember that specific. It's not a brain teaser, but it's more like a. Um, like just one of those, like just one of those quirky uh, kind yeah, of joke exactly. kind of things, but it, exactly. but it's it uh, it makes you think. Oh wait, how did I not think that? The craziest thing is I said that same joke to three different women, and they still also couldn't find it. The it's, answer. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just I think we need to get to a place where we realize that we all have biases, all of yeah. us, and we um, we all have empowered beliefs about ourselves and maybe we have some disempowering beliefs Mm -hmm. that's literally part of the human experience but coming to term or coming to terms with what they are and not letting them unconsciously rule your life i think is where i'm trying to get at like that's a very mature way of looking at it yeah it's a very like um people tend to not look at things with that much uh introspection and also that that kind of you know looking at things as, as a part of a whole as opposed to just these little pieces, little moments. Well, to you your know? point, I think I was kind of uh, conditioned to think that way because I never had a group that I could just latch on to mm-hmm. and say, oh, all this group of per- people think like this, so yeah. I'm going to come in with these guys and just take on these beliefs onto me. I never had that um, to a certain degree. I don't know how you feel about it, but it, from just talking to you, it, it feels like that was a a blessing in disguise that you absolutely. didn't turn out just like them because you, you were you had it forced you to kind of have your own absolutely. way of thinking yeah and that's that's a really special thing yeah. that you can kind of process things and look at things objectively and have this kind of and i'm very like that too yeah I, and maybe there's something there where yeah. it's like you know when you're in this kind of situation you have to kind of start to rationalize and, and analyze mm-hmm. things in a way mm-hmm. but like what you were saying that it's like a math problem a problem that's mm-hmm. how, very much how I think about things right when I think about a problem or something I'm dealing with it's very like x plus y equals this you know yes. and, it, and I have to like piece it together and I think it's a strength for sure tell me if you agree but I also one thing I like about the way that I um, maybe think is um, it allows me to see more clearly and not get distracted so for example um, when the whole George Floyd thing happened across the world, everybody started marching and protesting yeah. about Black Lives Matter. And I was definitely very vocal about that, even in Amsterdam, and um, definitely made an effort to really be a part of that movement. It was never dawned on or lost on me that the cause for which I'm, the cause I'm supporting, and the people that are affected, black men, yeah. out of all these black men, 90% of them would not be showing up if this cause was for to support me yeah. in my sexuality yeah. as a gay man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm aware my reasons being there are for the right thing. I'm here for it because it is... Uh, because it's the right thing to do. It's because it's the right thing to do, yeah. right? It's not because I feel like I'm part of some group or whatever. I just feel like this is the right thing to do. It's not fair for... That's an interesting point. And it's it's something that I think is difficult for a lot of people who are, you know basically just not straight mm-hmm. is that they there's there's no doubt that feeling in your mind eh, you probably wouldn't if this had happened to me mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't be there for you me. wouldn't be here but and, that's okay but that's okay that's okay you know yeah you don't have to be you don't have to be at all but it's just something that that 
is definitely in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it probably colors how you um, treat situations and mm-hmm. how you, you know, you are probably very aware of, of the fact that you have to be, I hate to say better, but you have to kind of lead the way there and show how you want people to treat each other exactly. as opposed to, to complaining about, you know, it, it does no good to just, well, you wouldn't do it for me, so I'm not going to do it for you. Yeah, no. It's better to do it mm-hmm. and, and say, you know, see, this is this is why I'm here. That, um, it's for that reason that, for example, if a white person um, says something that is maybe harasses me, something about uh, a, the black experience that, you know, normally I feel like you could just go Google, right? If you want to know what it's, whether... Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, the, there's the age of technology, you can find out whatever it is that you want to find out. Right. But I personally, I know most black people don't agree with this, but... For me personally, um, if that opportunity presents itself for it to be a teachable moment with a person, a white person, yeah, I'm gonna take it. Doesn't matter how, even though I feel like you should know this or whatever, this is an opportunity for me to connect with you as a human being, and for you to be able to, for my words to really have an impact for, on you, yeah, and affect change. And what I care about is the change. So, I, I've talked about this with people before. I've talked about it with you. I've talked about it with with um, a few people, and and. I will say I think that you taking the time to talk to them, even if it feels like something that they, they should know, mm-hmm. or maybe they, they you, you kind of think, how could you not know this? You taking the time to talk to them will have way more impact than just Googling it. Mm-hmm. And in the end, that's what you want. Yeah. It, it's a burden, yeah. and it's not something that, that maybe you know, is fair, yeah. but the result is, is, would be better. Better. And so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I'm, I don't tend to ask people those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I do here, obviously, mm-hmm. this is the whole point. But, yeah. but in the everyday life, mm-hmm. I don't like pull people aside and ask them to explain something to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But some people I think are more comfortable talking mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's a hard thing because it's it's it does become a burden yeah. for people. Now it's the it's same right. thing with someone asking you about being gay. Yeah, they ask you and you have to explain I'll to explain. them. Well, you know, I'll explain. But if you're not receptive, <laughs> you know, if I'm dealing with somebody who's not well, receptive, that's I'm not gonna waste my time. That's different. Yeah, I'm that's not totally my time. different. But if they're asking and they just want to know mm-hmm. and they're they're wanting to listen to you, mm-hmm. I, that's a good a good moment. Yeah. Um, it, but that works for 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 anything. Mm-hmm. That works for. Well, if whatever your experience is, absolutely, it's just something where yeah, if they're not receptive though, then, then I'm not even wasting my time. That's the point, you know. That's that not. I've noticed that with being gay um, in general or bi in, in general, is you know people have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. They have their own set agenda or, or, or opinion. You're not gonna like change them right then and there, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any point in trying. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people try to do that. They mm-hmm. try and get a win. They try and sit down and and like and just drill it into their head and think that they're just gonna come away and everyone's gonna be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And it's just not gonna happen. No, that's ego. It's it's something that you have to you know like what you're talking about. You're showing by doing by showing up there and doing what you were doing. Mm-hmm. You're 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 leading by example. Yeah. Trying to the best of my ability. And at least. I'm over time, yeah. you will reach those people. Mm-hmm. You'll reach certain people, and some people are never going to be receptive. Yeah. And that is what it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So going back though to you growing up, how did you deal with those conflicting feelings? Um, 
my ignore game is strong. Like I can just <laughs> pretend. <laughs> I pretend. I can just pretend. I think. Um, yeah, I've always put a lot of emphasis growing up on the comfort of the people around me. That was always my main focus on how happy they were, and I actually found pleasure through that. I weirdly enough. So yeah. if they were happy, then I'm happy. At least I thought I was. But you know, I'm thinking. You rationalize at the point where, well, I can I can deal with. I can this. deal with this. I'm okay, and you know, I, I try, you know, do the math and think, okay, you know what? Overall, this is a good investment to do. Of course, now I would never forsake myself in that way. Right. Um, but that's because I have, I have a whole new vantage point, right? Where I'm seeing things for what they are, in my opinion. So I've realized, okay, I'm, I just need to be, whenever I'm dealing with conflict or whatever it is around me, I will always deal with it in a loving way, but never betray myself in the process. So I'll never do something or say something that I don't mean. What least. do you mean by that? So you're um, when, when you're conversing with someone mm-hmm. about something that's emotional, mm-hmm. you're saying you won't. So, for example, um, I'll just use um, I'll just use my mom for example. Talking with her, if she says something that is uh, about gays or whatever, the way that I'll deal with it is by telling her that I disagree. I'll tell her how I see it, and. Um, I won't fight with her. I definitely won't. I won't fight. And I will uh, just agree to disagree. I would actually agree to disagree. Uh, but I will still make sure I put my, get my point out there so, you, so a seed at least is planted. But I won't betray myself by pretending that, okay, you know, maybe, maybe one day I'll find a girlfriend. You know? Like maybe, right. like maybe one day, you know, something to just appease you. To well, make that, you that, feel, I've heard that from many, 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 many people. Yeah, and that, to me, at least from just looking as an outsider on that situation and, and here, mm-hmm. that gives them the seed in the wrong direction. The seed. Uh... So that gives them when you say, "Well, maybe someday," just trying to get out of the mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. That plants the seed in them that says, "Well, maybe, you know, maybe absolutely, he's, maybe he's coming around." Absolutely. You know? If you give any inch like that to to who you are, now if that's who you are, if you're bisexual or if you're whatever, oh, sure. whatever, yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're if you're let's say because you're gay mm-hmm. and you're going and you're saying, well, you know, someday maybe, mm-hmm. you just set yourself back ten years, absolutely. And so you have to be very. And it's what the the theme of this whole conversation seems to be burden because we keep saying, well, now it's your burden to to not. To, to be careful what you say, not not upset someone, because then they're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. Also, trying to get your point across in a in a clean, clear way that that helps you know get your point across, but also not fight them on it, mm-hmm. even though they can say things that are hurtful. You have to self you know hold yourself back, but that's just the life that you've been handed. You've been handed this life where you have to be better, mm-hmm. and you have to know what you can and can't say to get the point across to someone. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not something that anybody would envy. No. But I do think it makes you a better person. I a stronger so person. I think so too. Because you have to learn to navigate all of these things. You know, I can just drop myself in, in, in a shroud of being normal. You know, when you're growing up, I always tell people this because I'm like, you know, being like, you know, gay is one thing, but mm-hmm. being gay and black is another thing because then you have two things you got to deal with. <laughs> and it's, it's not 
ideal Mm -mm. to have both of those two things together all the time. And and it's ridiculous that anybody would say, um, there's no difference. It's like, of course there is. Would you want to be that? You know, would you, you, would you want to be different from everyone else? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Now double it and have it be two different reasons. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really incredible to me that you have to come through all of this and still have your sanity. Yeah, it would, I think the catal- there was a lot of catalyst for change. Yeah. A lot. But I always say the catalyst for change is discomfort. So there was a lot of discomfort. Or discomfort. Oh my gosh, there was a lot. But now on the other side of it, um, there's actually quite a lot more peace, I think, for me at least, than I guess the other people that I know in my life. Like my, my, my other um, straight counterparts that have not maybe accepted themselves fully yeah. in different ways. It's, you know. it's uh, the one thing that you've said that resonated with me the most was saying like that treating it kind of like a video game, but, but the final boss being yourself. Absolutely. Because I do really think that everybody views their family as the final boss, mm-hmm. but that's not the reality. The rea- that's like the little mini boss beforehand. The reality is when you can accept you being who you are mm-hmm. and, and live yourself without being somewhere and, and, pretending you're not or pretending you're di- you're not you're not different or all these things mm-hmm. that's something that's really interesting to me yeah because that's the hardest thing to do to not have that little voice that censors yourself or that little voice that tells you to stop you know don't don't act gay don't be that way mm-hmm. don't you know put on a persona yeah. when you're around people you don't know yeah and i'm sure you've done that too absolutely oh where you you have like your own fake straight guy persona I that you put on and, listen. and you, it's like a, it's like clothing that you drop <laughs> absolutely. on absolutely i'm like which jacket yeah. are we putting on today yeah um th- no seriously yeah. It, it uh i've had to my <laughs> my best performance that i can think of or at least where my skills where i was like okay i can definitely do this is so i went to the french international school right mm-hmm school full of, of French white kids. Yeah. So my, my fashion, everything about me was definitely influenced by that school. So you imagine Paul Marie, a uh, 13-year-old boy, tight-ass tight jeans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know what I'm saying? French. French. <laughs> so then I decide to leave the, the French system, and then I go to the American system. Your but super masculine French persona in America is not exactly no. what you thought it was. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here, uh, this is how the universe was like, we're going to get you to really... We're going to shake you up a little bit. So right before I went to my high school where I ended up, which was Bethesda Chevy Chase, which is a affluent type of mostly white school, but also... Maryland, right? Maryland, yeah. yeah. Um, I was also pretty mixed. Before I got to there, because I wanted to do the IB program, um, it was right out of my consortium, so I had to transfer. So they said, okay, well, your transfer is going to take about a semester, so you have to do a semester somewhere. So I chose... I was basically where my house was, I was 10 minutes away from BCC, but 20 minutes away from either Wheaton High School or Blair High School. And I chose to go to Wheaton. So I was like, okay, let me take you to Wheaton. Let's go. Wheaton High School at that time was uh, rough, for sure. Okay? It was rough at that moment. I don't know what it's like now. don't know for anybody who's at Wheaton High School. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> but I don't... At the time... At the time, it was, it was rough. Yeah. There was like three white kids, so... Like just so you know, like it was just um, the, opposite. the opposite the of where I was coming opposite. from. Yeah. That's cool. But you have to imagine I'm also out of my element, right? Yeah. I'm not used to being around 
not want to say this many brown people, but also there's African American. All my it's black different. friends are African. It's different. Yeah, it's yeah. completely different. So explain that a bit because I I had a friend in 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 college that because I was there briefly, but there was an African exchange student mm-hmm. and and this this guy on our our little row of like rooms mm-hmm. that was that was like thought I think he thought that it would he's like, oh it's like cool like and he thought it would just be instant like. You know, mm-hmm. just gel instantly, and they did not. Absolutely, it's not that they didn't like each other, but they just did not mix. Yeah. Like they just were like they just didn't understand each other at all. Mm-hmm. And it was really it was odd because it, it was the first time when I was like, oh, you're right. It's it's a completely different culture. Completely, completely. I think he was from Kenya, and and so this is like some kid who grew up in yeah. you know Southern California, yeah. and it, it's like they were speaking a completely different language. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I got to Wheaton High School, not really knowing what to expect. I remember on my first day of school, I got there and wearing my tight jeans and everything. <clears throat> and, you know, fashion-wise, I wasn't aligning with everybody. Just overall vibe. I'm not, like, they, ever. I, I don't know. I remember walking into the hallway and everybody's necks just went. <laughs> and I looked at me because they thought, What? This, this <laughs> like, little, you know, what is going on here? Like, what is dressed this? in yeah. skinny jeans yeah. and, you know, yeah. So, fashion I, outfit. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and just maybe they can also just sense the anxiety that I was also probably giving probably. off. Probably. <laughs> There's a bit, I mean, people that age have a, have a, a homing, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they can, you know. Absolutely. Anxiety so, is like a, you know, they sense it. They sense it like a, like mm-hmm. a, like a lion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, w- I, w- I went to class, my first class, I remember, and it was homeroom, and she did the attendance. Was it homework? I don't know. She did the attendance. Yeah, yeah. And I sat down, remember, in, in like somewhere in the corner, and she's going through the names. And also, there are stereotypical names that you see per culture, right? Different cultures. Like if you were in the Ivory Coast or West Africa, and you'll find a thousand Kofis. So in America, there are also names that maybe are maybe more um, uh, typical in the black community. So she's going through the names. She's like, okay, um, Trayvon, boom, okay. Uh, Laquan, okay, here, boom. Uh, Taisha, I remember uh, here. Paul Marie. When I tell you, <laughs> every single person in that classroom, Paul Marie. Yeah. And everything. I uh, was absent that day. Could have dropped it just to Paul. Oh, absolutely. I didn't raise my hand. I was yeah. absent. She was just, okay, not here. Boom. I was like, there goes my perfect attendance uh, record. <laughs> but the next day, I definitely um, was, came up to her. Please, please like, don't hey. say my own name. I was like, yeah. I was like, by the way, I don't know if you called my name yesterday, but she was like, what was it? I was like, Paul Murray. She's like, yeah, I called you. I was like, oh, I didn't hear, but it's actually Paul. It's actually going to be Paul now. So she's like, oh, okay, but I like your name. No, girl, don't get me killed. We're doing do yeah. Paul. So that actually began my whole experience being at that school where I was able to be invisible, which was yeah. awesome because I... When I say invisible, I quickly, quickly like clocked what works and what doesn't work. So I, was, I remember that my first day when I came back home, I was like, "Dad, you put the product down, jeans. and you you got the yeah the jeans." Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, "Yeah," I was like, "We're getting all my dad's jeans." That's all I wore during that first yeah. semester, and big big ass t shirts. Like I was, <laughs> whatever it was, it worked. So nobody, I remember there was like freshman beatdown week. It's funny because you threw away what people have to learn when they leave college and high school. They they have to learn how to dress, learn how to put mm-hmm. an outfit together. And mm-hmm. you were you were you have you you just were like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna wear what you guys I'm are gonna, wearing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna wear what y'all are wearing. Yeah. Um I knew also that that wasn't my identity. So I was very conscious of the fact that I was putting on a show. Right. But hey, you know, and scene. So every single day 
<laughs> I will just do that. Um, the reason why this was relevant, we were talking about uh, uh, how did I get the well, just topic? how you how you are able to um, you know rationalize what, what, the differences in your brain oh, and yes. actually and also with your environment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when your environment changed, you went to the school. I would change. You had to kind of change absolutely, and you you never really felt like yourself. Uh, n- not uh, in public, no. I mean, there were certain friends I could be myself with. There were certain friends that could, I could feel that level of comfort. Um, Did any with. of your friends that at that point know? No, I have great friends. Like, Did you hold it? I held it in. Completely they, they, in. They knew. Well, you mean at Wheaton High School? Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, but once I went to BCC, um, my, there were people who probably suspected and I think there was always like maybe a talk like here and there. It was Paul Stringer yeah. or whatever. But for the most part, everyone really, um, I felt loved, supported. and like, That's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 But when you were growing up too, there was no no friend, no confidant, no nothing. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Absolutely. I didn't know that either. Oh, really? I was, no. Yeah. We're How old were you when that. you came out? 22. To yourself? Oh, no. How old were That you? was probably, well, because I'm bi, it, it was, it was okay. A, it was it was a, it's harder because yeah, exactly. then you're just like is this, is this what's wrong with me exactly why, why why you know yeah and I would be very smart about if I was um, girls wise it was fine mm-hmm. right because you can just that's just normal mm-hmm. guy wise if if like I would find friends that I was not interested in anyway okay so my friends I would would be people that I just I have no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no interested at all. Yeah, because then I could feel like okay, you know, at least I'm not. This is not awkward. Ver- and then you know, people that that I would be interested in would be way over there, mm-hmm. and never would even have spoken to them. Mm-hmm. I was very like compartmentalized. I mm-hmm. would not allow that to 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 merge together. I still kind of do that because I don't. I don't want. It's just kind of messy to be yeah. you know having friends and then also yeah. being like you know it's just but. But back then it was for a very specific reason. Yeah. So I would, I would my whole life was compartmentalized and, and, and which is not healthy, Mm-mm. but you know, it did develop that similar That's why you, when you talk about it being formulaic, it, it, I had that similar kind of like, I had to have to every single thing I'd have to analyze and rationalize in a sequence. And then if it made sense, then I could move forward. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know what, that whole chapter for me at least like, and this is like the fun part of my journey. Um, there was a direct correlation between where I was at in my head, the mm-hmm. prison that I was in, and how I was uh, unable to fully express myself creatively. So there was that. Because for some reason now, I mean, I'm here in L.A. and um, doing what I've always wanted to do, what I've always dreamt about doing, what I actually what I always knew what I was meant to do. Um, but Which is? Acting. Okay. Oh, acting. Sorry. You didn't tell anybody. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> um, but um, because at that time, I guess in high school, I was still living in that world where I was people pleasing and doing, you know, trying to. Uh, you had to become a good actor. Yeah, I had, had to become a good practice. actor. But you'll ask, like, maybe why is it that I, why is it that I didn't uh, pursue acting sooner? It's because I was still in the mindset of I still have to please other people. Right. So me pursuing acting is not something that is um, supported by either my parents or whatever. So for my 20s, what I did was waste time doing what I thought they would want me like to do. Like what? Like what were they, the doctor or lawyer kind um, of thing? Yeah. 
And um, I mean, mostly politics, right? Because you live in DC, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, so when I ended up in politics um, and working for the Democratic Party, and that was, it sent me in Michigan. I lived in Kalamazoo for about six months working on a congressional race. And cold. Um, no, thank I, I left right when it got cold. Okay. Got cold. <laughs> Ice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. November, the election was November 6th. November 7th, I was like, I'll see y'all. Um, but yeah, that that was me trying to again do what everybody else wanted yeah, to I do. Couldn't, I couldn't do that to keep them happy. Yeah. Until everything happened with the whole coming out, go to um, Amsterdam, and then from there, in the silence of trying to figure out uh, what I want, I realized this is what I want to do. And ironically, you know, when you when you make that decision, I feel like the universe just kind of starts come, getting out of your way. Right. Um, and at least for me, that's what kind of happened. So, so I'm really thankful to that um, that Amsterdam trip because a lot of transformation happened there. I think it was it was good for you too to to maybe have some space to to recharge and figure out what you wanted to do. Um, I would say yeah, more than space. One thing that I learned, and I also would love to share with people, which is I come I came to the realization that in order to heal from your triggers, you need to be away from them. You can't. You can't aspire to ever heal if you're constantly being triggered. Um, it's just hard. Describe what those triggers were for you. So, for example, me, my family, my parents, right? Me being far away from my mom and from my parents and from that negativity is what allowed me to, over the course of that year, come back to me. And res and the result at the end was a more fortified me, which yeah. we could then go back to these people. It wasn't that you didn't care for them. You, didn't, mm -hmm. you, didn't, you, just, you needed time. Exactly. Yeah. I needed space to... Um, yeah, I, I needed space to come back into my power. Yeah. And the thing is, I guess the, the metaphor I can use is every time my parents would trigger me, those blows, right, those, those blows that would throw at me would knock me down. Right. I would get knocked down. So I'm like, how the fuck am I going to get up and dust myself off if I keep getting knocked down? Um, which, of course, I didn't realize that. But in hindsight, I'm realizing, oh, I needed to be away. I needed to get away. So I encourage everybody... Um, that whatever situation you're in, I know it's easier said than done, but if there's a way for you to remove yourself from a situation where that beat, that beating's not happening, it's in that space that you can wish, you can aspire to get yourself up yeah. and build yourself back up, at least for me. Now, if you're able to like still get punches and rebuild yourself, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I, I know that's not me, but that's amazing. So where was your dad in all this? What was what was his take on it? Because we talked about your mom a bit, and how mm -hmm. she still struggles with it a bit. Yeah. And you guys are have kind of you're working through yeah. that. Yeah. But what what was his take? We had like a. It's funny because there was like a switch that happened with my parents. So growing up, I wasn't really that close to my dad. Isn't that weird? That happens. That happened to me too. Mm -hmm. It's a very odd. Very strange. Yeah. I was not expecting it, or yeah, I wasn't expecting it that way. Um, my dad and I just always had a more of a distant relationship. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. never, um, matter of fact, the way that he, because he was very much of a disciplinarian, right? So the way that he would discipline me uh, really just caused us to just even more further, for me okay. not really not to yeah. want to associate. Um, but then I come out, that whole thing happened. My mom blows up in that way. And he actually tells me immediately on the spot. I love you. There's nothing wrong with you, and I and I accept you. And uh, I just think I just want you to know there's nothing wrong with you. So then I know. Wow. I know that was crazy. I was like, you glossed over that. You buried the lead. Hmm? You buried the lead there. I know. You, that I was, know. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. 
So when that happened, um, well, okay, real quick. Uh, when he said that to me, I remember just falling to my knees and just crying and just being so thankful, right? Yeah. And what transpired over the next kind of like two or three days afterwards was my mom and I were not really talking. Mm -hmm. But when I was in the house, um, I felt like at least my dad was my, uh, my um, support. Like in your corner. In my corner. Yeah. Until I realized, of course, he, you know, is trying to say the right thing, doesn't know he's getting blowback from my mom for being supportive and all that stuff. So he then said to me the next day, um, he's like, okay, well, Paul, can I talk to you? And came down and he said, uh, so are you planning on having kids? And I said, yes, I'm actually definitely planning on having kids. He said, but how? And I was like, well, through surrogacy, like straight people do that too. So, um, Yeah. Kim Kardashian did it. Hello? Right? Come on, hello. Yeah. Um, so I said surrogacy, and he said, he made the hurtful comment of um, a child born out of surrogacy to him won't be his grandchild. Mm. Like, he doesn't want that. And what happened at that moment was probably the most pivotal kind of, like, climax of what transpired after. Because I, as soon as he said that, I remember just getting up, leaving, and went straight up to my old room upstairs. Uh, or sorry, hopped in the shower. For some reason, I just went to hop in the shower. And in that shower, I cried from the depths of my soul. I just remember just I had never really felt sorrow in that way. Yeah. Just because I really, in that moment, felt like I had just lost my last ally. So I was alone. Um, and I remember feeling like I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to be there. So it's not like I want to go jump into traffic, but I just did not want to be here. I don't want to be here. It just it sucked the, the the life out of you. Exactly, yeah. take get me out of here. Um, but I'm very lucky because once I got to that very 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 low point, I guess naturally I just almost ricocheted off the bottom and then slowly started making an ascension towards coming back right, which lasted for a few months, years, whatever it is. But there was still that ricochet that happened, and then. I realized in that moment my empathy grew a little bit more as far as for people who go as far as taking their whole their, their own lives because before I could never really understand it like I was like oh my god but you're gonna kill yourself like I never understood like how could things be so bad that you're gonna make something make a decision so permanent I didn't judge but I just didn't understand but when I got to that place all the way down there and I realized there was more to go like I'm choosing to stop here I can't go anymore but there is I'm standing at the edge of it and realizing there is a shit ton more to go. Like, I could feel it. And I realized, oh, when you're down there, that is when that looks like the best option. And then that, for me, I don't know why, it was just very eye-opening where I realized, okay, my, my empathy towards people in general, I think, just grew so much. Um, but yeah, Ricochet, I started making my slow ascension towards rebuilding myself. A month later, moved to Amsterdam and then everything else started to kind of like happen but i'll never forget that moment just because i didn't i had never been that low ever, ever it just it probably was was not only what he said but also just the the convergence of so many things at once you just mm -hmm. it just was like the last last it was straw. last straw it was you last just straw. couldn't anymore like i was broken i had yeah yeah in that moment i had I was broken. Because I have to imagine, too, over time when you were growing up, at least I experienced this somewhat, is, you know, your parents could be wonderful people, but mm -hmm. they're products of the environment they're in. So, you know, you you see, you know, a, a smaller child, younger, mm -hmm. when you see gay people on TV or, you know, and, and 
there's a stigma to it and there's this, you know, the culture hadn't quite shifted yet to mm-hmm. accepting it a bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, you internalize those things that are said mm-hmm. and you hear those things that are said and there's, there's propositions in the government or different things that, that are trying to, you know, deny people the, the right to get married or all these different things. And it's rationalized on TV mm-hmm. as, you know, being some religious thing mm-hmm. and it's an affront to, you know, the culture and regular, mm-hmm. um, good upstanding people don't do this mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so you process those things as well. Over time, you, you start to, you think about those things growing up and mm-hmm. those things stay with you too. So even today I'll think back to those moments and be like, Oh, you know, and it just, you wish you could undo it. Yeah. But I have to imagine that moment that, that kind of broke for you was all not just that week, you know, it had to have been what, what, what age were you at? I mean, it had to have been 20 years of, of yeah, build 29, up, you yeah, know, yeah. it had to have been built up for, for, you oh, know, quite some almost, time. almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, all of this that's still in there, even if you're not actively thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what people I don't think understand is that, you know, it's not like you getting, um, a bad grade in school. Mm-mm. It's, it's, that's that doesn't define you Mm -hmm. when it's something that defines you and you're being told that it's wrong or it's evil worse or worse you have to find a way to a blend in with everyone else which means you're you're always going to be living a life that doesn't reflect you at all Mm And there is a breaking point for those people. You cannot do that forever. Mm-hmm. I don't care how long you do it. I know people do it until they're in their 60s, yeah. 70s, and 80s. But it does, at some point, it will break. Of and, course. And, and it's only, the longer you wait, the worse mm-hmm. it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's something that's really... It's not surprising to me that that, that was your reaction. But... It's, it has to have been surprising for you in that moment. You have to have been just like, you know, maybe not even understanding why you were yeah. so affected by that. Yeah. Because on its face, if he says something like that, that's, that's awful. But I feel like it was bigger. It was definitely bigger. I would say the surprise element would, would be... Because um, he had just said, too. Yeah. He had just, like, it's gonna, you're, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And then... And then that happens. Come on. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say the element that was the most surprising was once I got to that low was just how low I felt. Because to be honest, maybe now in retrospect, I realized I always anticipated that to transpire, which is why I stayed in the closet for so long. Right. Right. I I must have been fearing something. And I was fearing, I think, the feeling that they gave me. That is what I knew what was coming. So I just didn't know how bad it was going to be. I guess I knew it was bad, hence why you know I was ready to be in the closet my whole life. But once you're in it, and you really do feel, um, I don't know, being in it is different. <laughs> I think you, I think you, you reach a breaking point. What what sounds good when you're 25 doesn't sound as good when you're 29. You're like, okay, I can't. Yeah. This is. I, I thought I could do this forever. Mm-hmm. I, I could do it a couple of years. And I'm yeah. done. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, that's such a like that's 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 such a a difficult thing to come through because you've also built it up for so long. Mm-hmm. You've it's been not only ingrained from the outside, you've been ingraining it into you from the inside mm-hmm. and pushing it down. And it's not just going to just bubble up and everything's going to be okay. You're going to have to unwind all of that. Every single time you put yourself down 
or you felt like you were put down, all those different things, those are still there. You're going to have to unlearn them. Even if you don't remember them specifically, it's part of just the entire thing. Absolutely. And I think that's something that people don't really understand is that when you have to, when someone comes to terms with that, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and it shouldn't be a big deal, mm-hmm. but you guys have made it a big deal. Mm-hmm. So now it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't have to be a big deal if they would just accept it from the get go. But because of all these other reasons, religion and culture and, and you know, tradition and all these things, which are, you know, some of those things are wonderful, but when it harms people like that and you have this like internalized hating your own self, it, it can only go one way, which is just, it just implodes. There's, there's no good end to that. Mm-hmm. So I think that people that are listening to your story and listening to what you're saying are probably asking themselves, you know, they're, they're asking one of two things. They're asking at what point is it going to happen to me? And, or they're probably something that I would say if I was listening to this would be saying some reason why you're different, a different case. So, you know, so when I'm, when I'm listening to you okay. say this, yeah, but you know, I, I, I think I can do it forever, you know, rationalizing mm-hmm. to yourself. Well, yeah. you know, he, that, that happened to him and that's awful. But you know, I think I could, I could live like that forever. Mm-hmm. That's where I was at. And the reality is you probably can't. Oh, well, you know, the reality actually for some is not be happy, not be happy, but exactly not yeah. be happy. But the thing is true happiness, right? I mean, this feeling that I have now, I never would have imagined even in my wildest dream what it would like to be, it would be like to feel this way. Yeah. So it's still, you know, you almost don't miss what you don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's not, I never got a taste of it. It's never, I was like, oh my God, that one time I was so free and I was just right, myself. Right, so like, right. I just never knew it. So for me, it was just it was almost foreign, like, it, it was, was foreign and, and because I didn't know it, I didn't miss it. Now, fast forward to now, where I'm at now, would I ever allow myself to go back to that? Absolutely not. Do you ever feel like you have situations though where you do, because we talked about this a little bit, but do you feel like in, in certain situations where you are not comfortable, mm-hmm. we all have those situations where we're around people we don't know, mm-hmm. do you kind of tuck it in a little bit mm-hmm. or do you, are you comfortable enough to just, this is me and that's it? I, I check in with myself. So I, I, of course, let's say if I go to the barbershop, um, and, you know, Maybe you don't know this, but in the black community, um, the barbershop is a notorious yeah. uh, homophobic playground. <laughs> so um, I would, you know, my no. whole life. The right, barbershop? The barbershop. <laughs> what? It's not uh, a salon. Right, right. <laughs> it's not, yeah. And I would always be uncomfortable going into one, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. I'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. I'd be, even as I'm sitting there, I'm aware of... You just feel out of place. I feel out of place, but I'm also so hyper aware about my mannerisms and stuff like that. Yeah. That I'm actually the so uncomfortable. The inflection of your mm-hmm. voice, the way you... Mm-hmm. What, what words you say. Whereas now, before I go into the barbershop, that same feeling arises for sure. It's like autopilot. But what happens then is that I check in with myself and say... Me being feminine, or me being um, not feminine, but more feminine than others, or just even me being gay, do I genuinely think or believe that there is anything wrong with that? Like, actually, Paul, do you really think there is something wrong with that? Yeah. If I tell myself absolutely not, I genuinely don't think so. And I, but guess what? Now I have enough information to understand why it is that they have an issue with it, right? I understand now why you've been conditioned to think this way, and I understand why you see things the way that you think that they are. 
I don't subscribe to that. So I'm going to walk in here as authentically me as possible. As right. Or else, or else I'm giving power to what your beliefs. Right. I'm right, saying, right, oh yeah, right. you are right. You're right. It is a little bit. I don't agree with it. So that's what I mean by not betraying myself. I'm not going to betray myself in this process and be um, something that I'm not. Right. I've had, I've checked in with myself. Paul, there's nothing wrong with you being this way. Cool. Walk in here. Just walk in here. Just because you deserve to be here and you have the right to be here just as much as homie over there. Did that take time and, and effort to not worry about the way you move your hands and the way you talk and the way you, cause that's, I think something that probably most every it took time person can relate to. And it, it took it, practice. Yeah. So my, my, to not do it, to not do it because you've probably developed such a good way of doing it mm -hmm. that you had to unlearn this, mm -hmm. this, this, mm -hmm. you know, behavior. I will say, uh, I think, your thought patterns, or the way that you think, also follow the, law, the, uh, the physical laws of um, inertia, right? Mm -hmm. So inertia says an object in motion wants to stay in motion, an object that rests wants to stay at rest. Um, I think the way that you think also, if you give it enough time, if you persist in a direction, eventually it becomes auto, autopilot. You just become that way. Right. Um, so I, that's what I've, I've aspired to, I think, every time I... Um, Anything, any, anytime something unpleasant does arise, I consciously um, deal with it in the way that I hope to do one day on autopilot. I'm like, it's okay. Right now it's taking me a little longer to feel comfortable. That's fine. I'm still going to, my goal is to be comfortable. Yeah. So we're just going to walk in here with our head up, held high and just believe that we are enough. I think that's the biggest challenge for people, mm -hmm. at least people in our situation. But it's the repeated action of something that I think eventually makes it uh, a part of your identity. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think over time. Over time, right? It becomes, yeah, if you to, just persist, I, I think. I think you also forget how long you had to, to you learned to, to be that way. Yeah. And, and, and pretend that it's not just going to, like, overnight and be, never, be mm -hmm. over. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like... Um, that's just a very, it's a very unique situation. Mm -hmm. And it, that's something that I think a lot of people can, re can relate to though, yeah. because it's, it's in, on the one hand, it's very unique to people who feel different. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's something that I think pretty much anyone can identify a situation where they feel like they weren't, you know, they didn't feel like they fit in. Yeah. And so you, what do you do when you don't fit in? You start to look and, and learn the mannerisms and learn how to dress the way that, that these guys are dressing and learn how to talk the way they talk and how yeah. to, you know, it's, it's, you kind of become who you hang out with Yeah. Uh, yeah. and you have certain words you say around certain people when they say these things. But when those are all things that are superficial, mm -hmm. it's different when it's, when you're talking about who you are, Yeah. you know, that's sure. a very different thing. And, um, but who you are, I guess one thing I've realized is, um, you know, we live in an age where everyone's talking about manifestation, like manifesting right. this, manifesting, right. whatever. Um, and there's a truth to that for yeah. sure. But I think the, the how, does, how do I say this, the deeper truth in manifestation is that you manifest into reality your subconscious beliefs. The things yeah. that you actually really internalize and believe about yourself are the ones that play out into this five, di uh, five, five di three dimensional reality actually that we're in. Um, so I'm like, okay, if, with that, that belief gives me the, 
like how do I say this? Like I believe that I have the power to then create that reality, yeah. right? So I just have to figure out where are these beliefs? What are, how do I how do I see myself? How do I truly see myself? Not consciously, but subconsciously. How do I yeah. see myself? Um, and like I said, working on all these disempowering beliefs that I did have, which were a lot of them, um, eventually allowed me to start shaping my reality in a way that was more aligned with who I really am, right? So you are your thoughts in a yeah. way. Or you become your thoughts. And your thoughts become your your, you your know, reality. Your reality. So that's something that that's that's very difficult. It's difficult to undo. for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, I guess there's no like easy fix, but I guess if people turn more inwards, um, that's probably the best way to go because I I I feel like this thing called um, God, Spirit, whatever it is, um, everything that is created right by that energy is in my opinion innately guided to uh, or internally in, uh, guided to be able to navigate their reality so for example animals when geese are, are, are born and they know how to migrate south right there's no school for that but they are born with the genetic coding in them that tells them what they should do mm -hmm. um, and I saw this quote which I'm not going to be doing diligence and how um, eloquent it was but he basically said the same way that spirit would create a, uh, a goose and program it for it to know when to fly south when it flies south it's sure to find sunshine over there because spirit whatever you call it universe would never have you coded this way for you to get there and it's arrive, it's a fucking tundra and die. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it's, it'll never work out that way. It's always going to be in alignment for it to work out perfectly. So with animals, we call it instinct, but with us humans, I think it's your intuition. Yeah. Intuitively, you know how to navigate. It won't do you wrong. It will not do you wrong. Intuition will not. I really, 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 really believe that. So I think if people, now, how do you shut off the noise of everybody else's opinions, all the other things that are going on? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's the real gift, right? Being able to shut out all of the noise and be able to say, okay, I, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So checking in with yourself will, I think, is the quickest way to really overcome any self-hatred you have. Because if you hear that voice inside, it's not going to say, you're disgusting. Right. You're going to be hearing your mom's voice or your dad's voice or your church's voice saying you're disgusting. But you'll never hear that inner voice saying you are an abomination because never yeah so what would paul marie the actor say to paul marie the kid sitting in class um preferably it, something positive not preferably, yeah, preferably <laughs> something kidding. positive. <laughs> not a slap in the back Hello? of the head <laughs> wake up yeah. um uh what would he say you know i would just try to say um to give myself more grace more grace to grow and more um, more patient with myself early on what do you mean i think um my perfectionist type of way of thinking were you impatient with yourself mm -hmm. uh, because i was comparing myself with others right mm -hmm. so i knew after high school i knew already that i wanted to pursue acting and i had uh, seen i auditioned for high school musical three and one of the friends that i made on that um set uh he went on to move to l.a we were in high school and he was pursuing acting and eventually he got a role on glee or something mm -hmm. and i remember really that really hit me just because i felt like oh my god Paul, like you know you have the same dream to go over there and he went out and look he's working 
and what are you doing? Like, you know, and even though I'm in that space, I'm also in the space of, but I can't, but I can't go, but I'm afraid to go, but I'm afraid to go. And what's the reason that you give yourself why you can't? I was just, oh, for, it was easy because my parents didn't really support it. So it was more like, You just threw it on them. I just threw it on them. Oh, yeah. They don't support me. Well, Darn. Exactly. Um, but that's not a real reason. But yeah. that was enough for me to at least sleep at night. Like that was because of my parents. So, yeah, I would say to myself, just give yourself a little bit more grace. Um, you're going to end up where you want to end up. Just give it. Just let yourself get there organically. Divine timing, I really believe in that also. I think when you plant a seed, it doesn't turn into a seven, like a 10-foot palm in yeah. a day. You know? So I also have to give time for things to grow the way that they're meant to grow. And surrender almost. Like, okay, set your attention. And What would you say to someone who's in maybe a similar situation and is stuck between you know wanting to be honest and not wanting the, or, or the fear of losing their family because I mean that's that's tends to be the biggest reason well I know it's a little bit of a mind fuck but the fear of losing your family you will I don't think you'll ever lose your family per se right um, if they find out who you really are and choose not to be with you or not to have you around then they were not meant to be with you in the first place, right? Your authentic self, how you were created to be. There are certain things we would be like, okay, then they're just crazy. So for example, if I said your skin color, you're born into a, a white family and you have blue eyes and your family's like, oh my God, you have blue eyes. Like, we don't fuck with you because of that. Everybody here got brown. <laughs> we're not doing that. So you have to go. You would actually just be like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when it comes to sexuality, we sexuality is just another attribute, another trait. I think because it's always it's it's rationalized as being a choice that you you're just making this bad choice, and we we just wish you made a better choice. And but you know if you made a choice or not, you 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 know nobody's in your head with you. You know if you're making a choice, um, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where it's like no one's in your head but you, so you know if this is something that you are choosing. Or if it's not, and if it's yeah. not something that you chose, and you've come to terms with that, then we can start building towards accepting yourself. But I guess if uh, your family doesn't accept you, I know it's trust me. I've heard this before when I, before I was out, and I was like, okay, if they don't accept you, they don't deserve you. I've heard that many times. Yeah, and yeah. that doesn't help. It doesn't help. Uh, it's 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 sweet, but it doesn't help. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. One of those things. Where exactly. It's like, Thank you, but it also doesn't help. You just, I guess, have to get to the point where you're like, I want to be accepted for who I am, not who I'm pretending to be. I don't know. That's for me, I guess. Yeah. I was like, this is... Well, and the whole, the whole point of it being a choice, it's like you're an, you're a, an African man from Ivory Coast mm-hmm. who's also probably Catholic. Why oh. would you choose... Ish. Well, I mean, when you were growing, yeah, when up, growing up, yeah. <laughs> why would you choose that Why would I choose yourself? that? Like, because life is so great... Let's 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 just toss this on top of it. Mm-hmm. Wait, you want me to be? I'm one of two black kids at my school, give or take. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I belong there. Mm-hmm. The reality is, you know, kids are ruthless. Yes, they are. It, I mean, <laughs> if it wasn't that, it was going to be something else. Mm-hmm. So why would you choose on top of all that? Let's just. Let's just choose to be gay too. Let's let's make it a three peat. Mm-hmm. 
you know who i mean that's that's something that's really absolutely really, it, it always boggles my mind you know every i think as a society we all just want to fit in right yeah. we all just want to fit in fit in fit in but we should realize that that notion of fitting in is actually um not real there's there's things that we all have in common yeah but that doesn't need to be everything it doesn't need to be everything why does it need to be everything no two people have everything in common no two people have everything in common so the whole notion of fitting in actually it's silly it's a more of a finding the people who are going to accept you for who you are because fitting in it's like okay however you want to make it categorize it okay uh, i'm a man so i feel comfortable with men okay well amongst these men as a black man black man some of these men are white racist men. Some of them are black and homophobic. Some of them are, do you see what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to fit in and feel comfortable with me, me with me. And then other people who feel good with me are going to, I think, be drawn to me. Mm-hmm. And then that's how you build your community, you know? And what would you say to your parents? I would tell them I love them. I would tell them I love them. I think. Um, that's really it. I realize that is the international kind of healing elixir, right? Which is really unconditional love. So because I make allowance for where they're at and actually actually understand why they believe the way they the things that they do they do believe. Yeah. I'm just gonna um, love them through it and just be patient. That's my thing, just patience and I'm gonna love you through it. It's gonna be uncomfortable, sure, sometimes, whatever, but I can't ask for unconditional love if I can't give it. So I also know that people can only love you at their level of awareness. So you're not doing better because you literally don't know better. Right. If you did, you would do better. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, I'm going to help you see that light. But until then, I can't really get mad at you. You know, if a kid were to walk up to me and say like something really rude, like, ah, you're ugly or something, I would never just take that... I'd be like, oh my god, um, I'm, 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 I'm sad, I'm depressed because a kid said that to me. I would take those words and be like, okay. Right back at you. No. Yeah, yeah. Hello? I guess we found out who the no, petty mama. one is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we, like, I guess. Right. Okay. Right. He's all taking the high road over here. No, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is those words would have no effect on yeah, me and, right. and to everybody also. Like if a five-year-old says something to you, you're not going to take... Um, their words seriously, right? No, so, I agree. I gotta call my niece, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apologize. Apologize. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, you know, I'm I'm treating, I guess, my parents like those five year olds in the yeah. sense that you don't know better in this sense. So the things that you're saying, okay, I don't agree. And I'll tell you why I don't agree. Yeah. But okay. I think that's something that's kind of lost right now too is is being able to disagree without like going the other way and mm-hmm. just just hating the person Mm-mm. it's it's very you know there's there, you're, you're, the, the goal should be to be trying to enlighten them yes not to and, and and you need to be able to stand your ground and and you know not not fold but like you were saying you're kind of chipping away at it yeah a little you're, bit you're you're doing what you can you know my dad because you asked me about my dad earlier he um even though him and i were not close for the longest time Funny enough, me going through my whole um, spiritual journey and growing um, allowed me on the other side of it to not judge any of his past actions or transgressions against me. Because I realize now, more than uh, clear as daylight, is that 
you are a direct result of your childhood drama that you haven't processed. You are a direct result of that. Like, the same way that I'm also that for my own traumas. So He's just further down the road. And hasn't even chipped at trying to work through them. He doesn't even know that there is anything to work through, right? Because he's on autopilot. So, you know, anything that's happened to me in my childhood, it's just a norm. Of course. Oh, my God. It's okay. It's a norm. Um, you know... Uh, this is a good example that I want to put out for all my, my black friends out there. I was living in Amsterdam, and this is towards the end of my journey over there, and I was sitting, um, having lunch with four of my friends, so me and four other white boys, who are Dutch, and we were talking at one point about discipline, how to discipline your kids, and we were saying, I was saying how, you know, um, I was definitely hit before, like mm-hmm. beat, beat mm-hmm. before, uh, but I asked them, I was like, let me guess, none of you guys have ever been hit by your parents. And they all, they all looked at each other and looked at me and said, no, we haven't. And my, my first reaction was actually almost to laugh and say, oh my God, white people, you guys have never been disciplined that way. Until I realized, Paul, the joke is on you. Because this is four examples of adults who made into adulthood successful, happy, happy uh, balanced for the most part, I don't know but not needing to be traumatized in the way that you were, right? So Just because you went through it doesn't mean you get to put someone else through it too. And it, and, yeah. and it shows me that it's not necessary. It shows me you can get to adulthood, fully functional or whatever, without having to... And you kind of were, were it's just like the sky above your head. It, mm-hmm. it was just a matter of fact, this is how it is yeah. when you're growing up, and you guys are weird. Yeah, and, I, and actually, the reason why we were talking about that is because I was saying with my kids... I was like, yeah, uh, if they need it, I'll give them a little... Beat that out. I remember saying that. I was like, oh, I'll definitely. I was like, listen, if my kid is, is you know... How about a little threat, a little fear? No. Hello? <laughs> just, just a little Hello? half. You half. Think- I'm actually going to hit you, but I'm going to threaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the reason why that was okay with me is because it had happened to me. There is a difference, too, between, I mean, being firm with a child. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I do notice some, especially Europeans, um, they they... There's too far, too, where you're just letting the kid do whatever, you know, just run wild. And there's no, it's like you're like, they're, they're trying to be like their friend. Mm-hmm. It's good to have like an authority that tells you, okay, here's, you know, the boundaries. Because mm-hmm. you're going to have to learn that anyway. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's like you're saying, like, you don't need to go like here. You can go or here. You mm-hmm. can kind of, maybe there's things that, that you grew up that made you into a better person mm-hmm. that you would like to incorporate. But maybe without the, the, the hitting. Without the hitting, you know, I want and, you to do and, it because you respect me. But you might still be firm on certain things mm-hmm. and want, you know, mm-hmm. you, here's how things need to be. Absolutely. Because on the flip side, I know plenty of, of you know, uh, specifically like Euro friends of mine mm-hmm. that I'm just like, you talk to your parents like that? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, because I, I, I didn't get beat, but I, we got like hit yeah. on like the ass and stuff like, yeah. like as a kid. Yeah. And it wasn't fun. But that stopped towards like the late, early thousands, yeah. like late nineties. It's like something. I'm sure it was like in like started to become more of a conversation of like hey, maybe maybe this isn't the right way to do it because mm-hmm. they they got hit as a kid. Mm. Okay, okay, you see. And I remember hearing the stories. Yeah. Yeah. They were getting beat yeah. and hit with a belt and all this stuff. And you know, I think I think my dad probably. I don't. I never asked him why it stopped, but I think he just kind of was like, "I don't really. I don't need to keep doing this. No. This isn't working. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. do anything." No. So, um, it was a little more psychological. To, you know, yeah. I'm gonna take this away. Yeah. And then like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you yeah. know that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that 
more than getting hit, like, you know, doing things to me like that, taking, you know, finding something that I like, like a video game or something that I like and mm -hmm. taking it away for six months. Mm -hmm. Like that would, you know, snap me into place yeah. much quicker than, you know, you hit me on the ass. For exactly. It's like, well, okay, now exactly. I'm good. Whatever. Yeah. Versus this was a long <laughs> thing. Yeah. It was always the joke that I would hear. It'd be like, no, you're not going to your room. Go to the garage. Your toys are in your room. Go to the garage. <laughs> go, 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 go find something to do. Yeah, absolutely. Don't, you know, you know I'm, mm -hmm. not, I'm not sending you to your room. Your toys are there. Mm -mm. So there's, there's, there's ways of, of, you know, learning from your childhood yeah. in a way that maybe he didn't. Yes. And that's not to say that he, you know, did anything wrong. It's just, you're just trying to be better yes. than that because you know how it affected you. Yes. So, so now having that information allows me to also have more empathy towards right, him, right. the way I treat him. You know, I'm, I've forgiven him. And imagine for the how past. his grandfather was mm -hmm. treated as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like I've heard stories of my grandparents of how they were treated as a kid. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa. Absolutely. Like, really. And then, you know, the further back you go, the worse it gets. It just gets more and more like they were just. And that generation, you know, they didn't even bother. They were not even in a school of thought where you could think, oh, maybe something's wrong with the way no, that I think. it was just a, it was yeah. just a norm. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is normal. So this you're is not even questioning. This is the way it is. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So that that has helped me and my dad a lot just because now I'm at that point where, okay, I kind of see yeah. the bigger picture of where, like kind of what led to the actions that you chose to take. And um, I'm choosing to forgive you, but also love you through it. Right. And, and change maybe how I address those same mm -hmm. things in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, it's, like I said, that's mature. Yeah. You know, for, for anybody that's going, like going through any kind of, um, situation like this with your family and coming out, I would say, um, if you're a spiritual person and you believe in like souls and whatever, I think we have a linear way of thinking of, you have your parents, your parents give birth to the child and the child, the parents help the child grow. It just keeps moving that way. But there's nothing that actually states that that's the way it's supposed to be. You, you could be born into your family with as much purpose for you to help them grow mm -hmm. as it, maybe actually, sorry, maybe more. There's probably more potential for you to help them unpack the things that uh, have you know, hurt them over the years than the other way around, right. right? For you, they should be trying to prevent uh, said trauma to be implemented into your life. Yeah. But for you, you have the power to, in a way to help them undo it. So if anything, I see it now in a dynamic where like it's very equal with my parents, you know? I'm learning from you, but you're also, I'm here for you, I'm here to help you learn also. Right. Like, I'm, that is just the truth. Like, we're, we're, this is a symbi symbiotic relationship. Um, so if you're a person that's dealing with that, um, with your family, just know, um, if you've gone to the place of at least starting to accept yourself, also realize you could be a part of their salvation and their, um, I guess, awakening to the truth, which yeah. is like universal love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes kids are teachers. So lastly, I guess now that we get caught up to your 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 life mm -hmm. what are you doing now so now um i'm finally made it to la <laughs> 10 years in the making um and uh acting and um 
it's going really well as far as uh, being able to have like opportunities um, that I wouldn't have had otherwise. But it actually started in Amsterdam. So Amsterdam, when I was over there in the quiet is when I realized I want to act. And then from there, I actually started acting in Amsterdam. What was the catalyst, you know, what, what made you just, I was, you always, I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. But over there, I guess, you know, no more politics can go over there and work in Dutch politics. I don't speak Dutch. Um, I, it's probably a good move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seems like a, just a draining type of job. Absolutely, have. absolutely. Like any, any, I have, I know people that do it. I, it just, it, it just seems horrible. It just drains my soul. It seems awful. So once I asked and I was myself and thought, what is it that I want to do? I want to start acting. Um, kind of asked the universe uh, if I could start doing that. And I know they say, if you ask, you shall receive. I guess for me that <laughs> proved to be right because right. then started to be able to work um, professionally quite quickly over there. Um, and this weird thing happened where as soon as the boulder, the f- figurative boulder that was um, my insecurities that I had built up over the years for my family started to get uh, eroded and eventually demolished, um, I was able to tap into a lot more of... Uh, my creativity than I had ever been. Like I always knew I had a potential. I knew I was, for example, a good dancer, a good actor, whatever. But for some reason, I always felt um, like I wasn't. I didn't have the ability to really t- uh, dip into that well mm-hmm. of potential. I knew it was there. I just felt so for some reason I'm like I can't get it. I can't get it. But after that in Amsterdam, for some reason, um, full. I felt like I had full access. And then that's where my true blossoming happened. And then now, once that happened, I thought, okay, I'm ready for LA. So here I am, and um, meeting new cool people every day, and along this journey. And yeah, I wake up excited every day. Yeah, um, I just feel, and I also feel a sense of like um, protectedness from the universe, from God, whatever it is. I feel protected. So now I'm able to. The reason why that's relevant is because now fear is no longer an issue. I can just go and try and if i fail i fail right but i'm not afraid to try anymore so we'll see where that takes me (laughs) that's amazing i mean thank you i think that's a good way to like wrap it i mean that's that's incredible thank you you have such a great just i mean it took you a long way to get to where you are now but you have like this it's almost like you have this experience of of all these years and you you have a, a grasp of it now just yeah. really cool or at least i'm starting to yeah 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 that's amazing well thank you for coming <laughs> thank you for having me and we'll go we'll go do our, our portrait in a second okay. but um just yeah thank you for coming and talking to me and sharing that with me and mm. that's amazing tell everybody how to find you oh uh you can find me on instagram at paul um, with two l's underscore m-a-r-i-e um, on Instagram and on uh, Twitter at Paul Marie Brew, P A U L M A R I E B R O U. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell everyone goodbye. Cool. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs>